passage in Matthew chapter 7 where Jesus is talking about building our lives on the Word of God. See, it's very easy for us to build our lives on our feelings, on our emotions, on what we've been taught that might not line up with the Word of God, what's culturally relevant, what's culturally popular, rather than the Word of God. That's why there is an attack against the Word of God today. Why intellectuals, people that are really are smart people, don't understand the power of the promises of the Word of God. And what God looks for you and I to do is to build our lives on the Word of God, not on our feelings, not on our emotions today. And when we do that, when we build our lives on the Word, not if the storm comes, but when the storm comes, our house stands firm. Doesn't mean that we don't feel the emotions of the storm, we don't feel the things going on around us. It just means that we've decided we're going to live bigger than our feelings. We're going to live bigger than our emotions, and if we allow our emotions to run us for a moment, we recalibrate and say, God, that's not who I am. Here's what your word says. God, I'm standing on your word and standing on your promises. You see, we're kind of in the tail end of the the storm season from the hail season, from what my roofer friends have said. It kind of begins in April and ends about June. Doesn't mean if you have a hailstorm in July, don't come to me and say, Pastor Rich, you said it was going to be done in June. What's going on, right? But this is just that time of the year when that happens. Several years ago, we had this storm come through, and y'all remember it from 2013, that there were huge hail, H-A-I-L, just in case since we're in Texas, y'all are confusing, confused by what I'm saying, uh, huge hail that came through uh, skylights, it came through windows, it was just devastating. And, and as much as meteorologists can typically know when a storm is coming, sometimes storms take us by surprise. And, which, by the way, y'all need to be nice to the weather people, right? You know, well, they, they predicted it wrong. Listen, there's all kinds of variables with weather, pressure, storms blowing, wind, all kinds of different things. I'm amazed that they get in the ballpark about where the temperature is going to be, right? So we need to be kind to them. But storms take us by surprise from time to time. They kind of blindside us, and sometimes, again, we're aware we can track a storm that's coming this way, and sometimes we're aware in our lives when a storm seems to be coming, we recognize some things happening, maybe in a relationship or something's going on at work, and we can kind of sense the storm's coming. Sometimes they come out of nowhere. And last week, I began a, a message with this thought in mind that most people have a strategy for success. Whether it's written down or it's just kind of in your heart, you've, you've got a strategy for success. You've got some things that you're going to do that in doing them, you're believing that you're going to be successful. That's why you're in a small group because you want your marriage to be awesome. That's why you, you think financially about planning for the future because you want your finances to be awesome. It's why you raise your kids according to the word of God because you want them to grow up understanding that when they live the promises of God, the promises of God show up in their life in extraordinary ways. So we, we're, we're always planning these things, but sometimes storms come up in our life. Things that we hadn't counted on or even we were seeing it happening and, and all of a sudden the storm blows into our life and, and a lot of times it takes us by surprise. And, and the thing that I believe is that we have a strategy for success, we just don't have a strategy for struggle. And I, and I want to be clear on that, that I'm not saying our strategy for struggle is, okay, I'm going to be struggling the rest of my life. Because sometimes when we get in the middle of something, we're thinking, okay, this is just the way it's always going to be. And sometimes that very thought process or our words that we keep saying keep us stuck longer in something than we actually need to be in there. 
me give you an example. The children of Israel were on about an 11-day journey to get to the promised land. It took them 40 years to get there. Why? Because this is the way it's always going to be. They spoke the wrong things, said the wrong things over their life. I don't know about you, but I don't want to spend 40 years in the wilderness when I can get somewhere in 11 days. Can I get a good amen? So sometimes storms take us by surprise. And last week we began looking at the life of Joseph. And, and Joseph is, is an incredible example, a patriarch in the Bible. And, and sometimes we, we look at patriarchs and we think, well, man, they were born with a silver spoon in their mouth. You know, or God just, just kept them away from all kinds of trouble. But you find in Joseph's life that he dealt with some issues. There were some storms, which, by the way, were not storms of his own doing. Because we all have some storms of our own doing. We say that thing, and as we're saying it, it's like releasing a flock of doves. And we're like, oh, I wish I hadn't said that, because suddenly there's this tension in our marriage. Suddenly there's these things going on, right? But this was, <laughs> my wife's amening me today. But, but it was really, uh, the, the storm came into his life because of other people's behavior. And in Joseph's life, we find a strategy for struggle. And, and if you missed last week, we, we covered the first point of three points, and this is part two of a, of a two-part message. And again, we've been looking at these things because we need to have a strategy for struggle. So not if a problem or a storm comes into our life, but when it does, we're actually prepared. We're actually got a mindset ahead of time that recognizes that there are going to be storms that are coming into our life. That's why Jesus said, in this world you will have trouble. Now, I'm glad he didn't just end there and go, okay, I'll see y'all, right? He finished it by saying, but take heart because I've overcome the world. So we're not ever fighting to be victorious. We already are victorious. The devil's trying to steal victory from you. I know you may not feel victorious when you're emotionally out of whack, but I'm telling you, you're already victorious today. So we've got to develop a strategy for the struggle. And the first thing that we saw was in the pit, he had a strategy. The first step is the strategy of submission. He submitted himself to God. So the first thing that you and I need to do when the storm comes up is immediately submit ourselves to God. Now, we have a horrible understanding of the term submitted. It's been abused. It's been talked about incorrectly. And we have a tendency to think of submission the way MMA fighting happens. We basically got someone down on the ground with their heel on top of their head, and we're saying submit. That's not what submission is. That's not what biblical submission is. Submission is that I'm simply leaning into and pressing into God. I'm submitting my heart, my will, my emotions, the things that are going on in my head right now. God, I'm submitting all of those things to you. See, here's what James 4 tells us in the middle of a battle. It's telling us how to become victorious. Submit yourselves then to God. If you know that God's good, you not only want to submit to him, you're going to run to submit to him as fast as you possibly can. Because you know that he's good, you know that he's watching over, you know that he's going to take care of you. But that verse goes on says to say, resist the devil and he will flee from you. So I submit myself to God saying, God, I trust in you. But then I begin to stand on the word of God and resist the devil that's trying to bring depression into my life, that's trying to bring lack into my life, that's trying to bring sickness into my life, that's trying to bring any kind of disease into my life. I resist the devil and the Bible says that he will flee. As followers of Jesus Christ, we a lot of times don't walk in the authority that we have been 
given. We don't, you don't recognize what it means to be a child of the king. Oh yeah, I get that. I'm a child of the king. No, I'm telling you, we don't. we don't. We don't fully understand what it means to be a child of the king, to be able to walk in authority, to understand that we have been given authority. Jesus said, all authority in heaven and earth has been given unto me, therefore go. He's empowering you and I to be disciples of all nations. That means making disciples of ourselves too. So we submit ourselves to God. What's that mean? It means that we lean into him. It means that we say out loud, God, I trust you. God, I know that you're good. I know that you're for me. And if you're for me, who can be against me? You press into him as as you go through the storm that you're currently going through. So we talked about that last week. You want to hear the rest of it? Go check it out on our podcast. All right. Picking up on our story. After the pit, Joseph is sold into slavery. He's sold to the Midianites and and sold into slavery. Listen, you think that the storm that you're going through is tough? This is his brothers, all right? Now, we've all had brothers that have jacked with us, right? Just me? We've all had some family. Okay, maybe it's for you. We've all had sisters that have jacked with us. We've all... Okay, that kind of resonates a little more. We've all had people mess with us. But listen, I don't think, as far as I know today... Your brothers or sisters didn't sell you into slavery, right? They didn't throw you into a pit planning on killing you initially. And their, their, their lesser plan or the easier plan for, for you was to sell you into slavery, right? So we, we got to understand that Joseph is going through some challenging things. And, and so he's sold into slavery, ends up at the house of Potiphar. Now, at Potiphar's house, because the favor is on him, he rises to a position of influence, becomes in charge of the household in Potiphar's house. Listen, I want to remind you what I said last week. The favor wasn't on the coat. The coat of many colors that his brothers tried to take off of him, thinking they were going to rip the favor off of him. The favor was on Joseph. And because the favor was on Joseph, it doesn't matter if he has the coat or doesn't have the coat, the favor's on him, so he rises to a a place of authority where he is over the household. Listen, God's favor is attractive to the world. It's one of the things that frustrates me so much when when Christians, and and I use that term loosely, I believe they're Christians, but they're just constantly talking about the meanness of God and the the struggle of Christianity. Listen, the, the gospel is good news. There's no good news about having to to beat yourself up and how to have just being constantly focused on self. What God wants you to understand is first of all who he is and who you are in him. So the Christianity becomes incredibly attractive. We are God's favorite ones today. Just like Joseph was God's favorite son, you're God's favorite son or you're God's favorite daughter today. You've got to believe it and receive it. So the favor is on Joseph, and because the favor is on Joseph, when you have that on you, the world is going to notice it. In fact, it caught the eye of Potiphar's wife. Now, a lot of times in growing up and hearing this story, I pictured that she was a real old, old lady, and, and Joseph was like, yeah, I don't think so. But because he was a high-ranking official in Egypt, he probably had a hot wife, all right? It was Hot Wives of Egypt. That was a secular show going on right then. And she was a part of that, all right? So it was a legitimate temptation, all right? It wasn't just, yeah, I don't think so. It was a legitimate temptation. So she keeps coming and trying to seduce Joseph. 
She keeps trying to tell him, look, why don't you come to bed with me? Come to bed with me. And it's not just a one-time thing. She didn't just do it once. The Bible says she was continually doing it, but Joseph refuses her advances. Listen, and if Joseph didn't have a strategy for struggle, it'd be easy for him to say, God's abandoned me. I might as well just do whatever I want to do. And the reason why I can say that is because that's the lie the devil has told me a lot. And I know it's the lie he's told y'all quite a bit. God's abandoned me. God's, God's lost track of me. I might as well just do whatever I want. Listen, I can do whatever I want and no one will ever know. I can do whatever I want a home alone on my computer. I can do whatever I want as I'm filling out my tax, my tax returns. I can do whatever. Joseph refuses her advances. Listen, he, he recognized that, listen, this isn't about what anybody else is going to think. He's got a strategy. So despite all these emotions and feelings, despite the accusation of the enemy, which, by the way, is the thing that you'll hear in your ear the moment you start to go through a storm, the moment you start dealing with a, strat, a struggle, the enemy's going to start whispering in your ear, God's abandoning you. Did God really, does God really care? If he really cares, then why is this happening? Despite all of that, he, Joseph stayed faithful. And I want to say this over you, mighty men and mighty women of God. You say, are you talking to me? I'm talking to you. You have more staying power than you realize. Let me say it again. You have more staying power than you realize. You have more staying power to remain faithful, to do what God has called you to do, than you realize. But what the enemy says, you've always given into this, just give into it again. You've run from the relationship, you've, you've done this, you've done that, just do it again. You've got more staying power than you realize. So if the pit was the place that Joseph had to submit to God, Potiphar's house was the place that he had to stay. Staying is the second part of our strategy. Having the ability to stay. There is something amazing about having the ability to just stay. You want to find people that are successful in life? That's one of the things they possess. The ability to stay. Stay the course, stay focused, stay directionally focused on what it is they're headed towards because there's all kinds of things in all of our lives that are trying to distract us. So you've got to stay. You don't run in the face of a storm, you just stay. Listen, when the storm comes, that is not the time to eject from the word that God has given you. How many of you know every week I'm giving you the word of God? I'm speaking the word of God to you. When the storm comes is not the time to eject from the word of God. That's the time to press in, to take hold of God's word and his promises. That's why it's so important for us to hear the word of God in services like this. Because faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. It's one of the reasons why I, as a pastor, I listen to messages all the time. Because faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. And unfortunately, the Bible says, or, or fortunately, we know in part and see in part, we only have a part of understanding. We need the other parts to speak to the parts that we don't understand. Yeah. Hadn't planned on saying that before, so that sounded a little different. We need to understand other parts, and the only way we, we understand that is when we hear the word of God being spoken to, we go, oh, Jack the bear, check that out. That's a word that I'm going to hold on to. It is. We, we know in part and see in part. Listen, the devil 
is always after the word that is God is, has sown or is trying to sow into your heart. The, the storm's not after you. It's not. The storm is after the word. It's after the promise that was sown into your heart. Because we know from the parable of the sower in Mark 4 that the word of God is a seed. And the seed of God's word, that dream or that vision that God has spoken to you, has to get into the ground in order to produce a harvest. Listen, and and the storm tries to keep the seed from getting into the soil of your life. So the devil will try to steal the seed from you. If you look at that parable of the sword, it's the first thing that happens. The seed of the word of God comes out, and it just ricochets right off of you. You don't hear it. Why? Because the enemy has come to steal that word. Sometimes it's because of wrong teaching that we've had. And when we're hearing something that's just not in total alignment with the way that we were raised, it, the word is stolen from us. And if he can't steal the word of God from you, and it's going to get into the soil, he's, not, he's hoping that it won't go very deep. In other words, he's hoping that you'll kind of hear it and go, hey, man, Pastor Richie is pretty funny today. Or, hey, Pastor Richie obviously wasn't funny today, right? (laughs) Whatever it is. And we we just hear this word, but we don't really meditate on the word. We we don't go home. We we aren't taking notes. We're not thinking about, hey, this is a life-changing event right now. This is just a moment in time that we've stepped into that God is speaking something corporately to us. And so we're laying hold of the word. We're going to think about the word, meditate on the word, and let that word get down deep into the soil of our heart. So the enemy doesn't want it to get deep because if it doesn't get deep, the moment persecution from the word comes, Pastor Richie, I thought you said that by his stripes I'm healed. Well, what am I doing with sickness? I just guess I'm going to be sick the rest of my life. Preach it, Richie. Pastor Richie, I thought you said God was going to supply all my needs according to his rich and glory. But I know that I was just born into poverty. I'm going to be broke the rest of my life. I'm telling you, what happens is we're just literally speaking the wrong seed over our life. Because there was a persecution from the word. The word that kind of started to produce in our life now gets stolen from our life. That parable goes on to say that if the seed gets down deep and it does begin to produce a crop, what he's going to do is he's going to make sure that you get distracted by the cares of this life by the distraction of the of wealth and riches in your life and what happens is that seed now begins to be choked out of your life and it's not producing fruit like God wants it to listen I say this all the time listen God wants you to be blessed all the time the blessing and favor of God is on you all the time our unbelief literally pinches off like a hose being pinched off the blessing from getting into us God doesn't pull back his favor from us He's just simply saying, look, you got to open up. you got to just simply choose to believe and allow God to speak fresh word into your life. So the word, the devil is trying to steal the seed or the word of God from coming into your life. And it's amazing what the devil will try to do through the storms of your life. The reason is, is because he is afraid of the potential that is inside of every one of you. There's greatness, there's big dreams, there's big visions, and you may not have even discovered hardly any of them yet, and yet it's inside of you because he knows the impact that your dream and that your vision is going to have on other people's life. Now, we always think when I'm talking, I'm talking just about what's happening here on Sunday, and that is a part of it. But I'm talking beyond that because some of you had a dream to start a business and something happened and you gave up on starting the business. Some of you fulfilled that business and now you're employing people that are blessed because you had a vision in your heart to start a business. It's amazing the impact that we have in people's lives. But listen, you got to stay faithful. 
You do. You've got to stay faithful through the struggles of the storm. Even when you feel like giving up and giving in, you've got to resolve in your heart that I'm sticking with it. You've got to make a decision ahead of time, not before you get, when you get into the storm. Once you get into the storm, it's a lot harder to make that decision then. Make it ahead of time. I'm sticking with it. I'm going to stay focused on the dream. See, I think that's why when the children of Israel were about ready to see the fulfillment of the vision that God had put in their heart, they were entering into the promised land. God told Joshua, the leader of those, those people, that he needed to be strong and courageous. He needed to know that because he's a brand new leader. Moses has led the children of Israel for 40 years, and now suddenly he's stepping into that role. And he needed to be strong and courageous. And he told him a few verses later how he was able to do that. He says, meditate on the words I have spoken day and night. Thinking about what the word of God says to you all the time will radically change everything about you. Christianity is not a 11.15 to 2 o'clock type of thing. Just kidding, I'm not going to go near that long. It's, it's not just what's happening here this morning. It's what we are. It's, I mean, it's who we are. It's what we do all the time that we're meditating on his word day and night. Listen, he was telling Joshua, look, you're going to deal with some things, and you're going to have to decide, are you going to believe what I'm saying, or are you going to believe what you see or what you feel? Pretty easy for Joshua, patriarch of the Bible. Really? He stepped following an incredible leader. Now, again, I don't know if you've ever had to follow an incredible leader, but it is challenging. And he's following an incredible leader. And what's his first assignment? Hey, Joshua, we're going to go out and we're going to march around the walls of Jericho. You're not going to say anything. You're not going to fight. You're not going to throw rocks at the wall. Anything. He's going to go march around it. Joshua had to make a decision. Am I going to believe what I see and what I feel? Because I guarantee you there was a little bit of murmuring in the camp. A few people were complaining. Oh, man, I wish Moses was back. Man, this Joshua, he doesn't know what on earth is going on. He had to make a decision. Am I going to believe what God has told me, or am I going to believe what I see and what I feel? If you know the story, he chose to believe God, marched around for seven days, shouted, and the walls of Jericho came down. Without dynamite, without TNT. Listen, you've just got to stay. I'm telling you, if you can resolve it in your heart, I'm staying in the relationship. I'm staying faithful with my giving. I'm staying in serving. I'm staying, I'm staying, I'm staying. Staying faithful. Listen, Philippians 1 says this. Being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion. Listen, God's still working on us. Listen, the devil may bring some storms into your life, but listen, he wasn't planning on you being here today to hear this word of God. And now the seed of the word of God is getting down into the soil of your heart, and you're going to choose to believe, and belief in that word of God is going to water it and fertilize it, and you're going to see some fruit come to place in your life. See some fruit take place in your life. Listen, you've got to stay. Say stay. Listen, not only stay faithful, but stay engaged. Have you ever noticed this about Christians that sometimes when the storm or the struggle comes, they disengage from the very thing that could help them through the storm and struggle? You text them, you reach out to them, no response. They disengage from it. They start disengaging from relationships. They, they start disengaging from, from being a small group. They start disengaging from serving in an area of ministry because they think they just need to be served in this moment of their life. Listen, now's not the time to disengage. 
Listen, we all need relationships, every one of us. That's why the local church is so important. That's why a small group is so important. Listen, it's hard in the middle of the storm to stay faithful, to stay engaged, to stay connected, and to stay strong if you don't have people in your life that are speaking life into you when life is trying to suck life out of you. We may not always need relationships, but if you don't take time to invest in those relationships, they won't be there when you do need them. Listen, if you'll get connected and feed on the relationships in your life, those relationships will feed you and you'll feed them. And the more you feed them, the more they'll feed you. And the more that you feed them, the more that they'll feed you. And suddenly you'll start walking in victory in areas of your life that you never understood or having the ability to walk in victory before. It's amazing what begins to take place. You've got to stay. And Joseph stayed. He did the right thing. He resisted temptation, and so he lives happily ever after. I wish, right? He ends up getting thrown into prison. Listen, just because you stay doesn't mean the storm goes away. And that was a poet, and I don't know it. All right. Sometimes it's going to get worse before it gets better. Y'all got to hear this, because sometimes you're doing the right thing, and you're saying, God, I did the right thing, but why why is the storm still here? In prison, he rises to prominence again. So he goes to prison after doing the right thing, and he gets put charge in the prison because, again, the favor is on the man. wasn't on the coat. It's not on the thing. Sometimes things go out of our life, like I said last week, and we think we've lost our favor. No, you just lost some tangible evidence of favor. The favor's on you. You're like a rubber ball. Did I say that in this service? Okay, sometimes when I preach two services, I can't remember if I already said this. You're like a rubber ball. And like a rubber ball that you get in a swimming pool, if you pull it down to the bottom, it's not going to stay down there. It's going to pop back up. You can take it out and put it in another pool. You can pull it down to the bottom. It's going to pop back up. Listen, when the favor's on you, you're going to keep popping back up. Why doesn't that happen to me? What are you saying? What are you saying as you're staying? I'm very poetic today. <laughs> Listen, you got to understand that the favor was on him, so he rises to prominence even at the prison. And so while in the prison, he interprets the dreams of two of the inmates with him. One of them was a baker who came to him and shared his dream with him. And Joseph said, man, I'm sorry to tell you this, but in three days you're going to die. Not a happy interpretation to his dream. But also the cupbearer comes to him and said, I've had a dream too. And he says, listen, in three days, you're going to be restored back to Pharaoh's house. And then he tells him something. He says, listen, but when you get restored, remember me. I'm not supposed to be in here. I've been falsely accused. But some of the saddest, one of the saddest verses in the Bible says that when he, he left, he forgot all about him. And listen, there are some people that you're going to pour into their life You're going to love on them. You're going to do all the right things to invest in their life, and they're going to forget about you. They are. They're going to disappoint you. It's just going to be part of the process. Listen, if we're about serving the king and not being served, it won't matter. It won't matter. Listen, I I had to come to grips with that as a pastor because, man, it seemed like sometimes the people that you help the most are the people that leave the quickest. And listen, at the end of the day, this is about the kingdom of God. It's not about our kingdom here at Amarillo Fellowship because we don't have a kingdom. We're just in the kingdom of God. And so when we're pouring into people, it's because it's the right thing to do, investing into people, loving in people. Whether they're going to remember us or not is irrelevant. We're investing in them. So two years later, 
Pharaoh has a dream. No one can interpret the dream. So who did they call? Ghostbusters. No, they called Joseph. <laughs> so this, every time I said that when I was practicing, I thought that's just what you need to say right there. So they called Joseph. They called Joseph. So they shave him, they clean him up, and they get him before Pharaoh, and Pharaoh shares the dream. And when he hears the dream, he hears that there's going to be this, these seven sickly cows, and the, or seven healthy cows, and then seven sickly cows, and seven beautiful corn stalks, and, and seven bad corn stalks. And just say, hey, here's the interpretation of the dream. There's going to be seven years of plenty. It's going to be amazing for seven years. You're going to have bumper crops. It's going to be amazing. But it's going to be followed by seven years of famine. And King, here's what I would do. I would, in that seven years of plenty, set aside grain, grain for the, the seven years of when there's going to be lack. And, and let me just say this to you as a child of God. Listen, God wants to put all of us in opportunities like he put Joseph at work in various things where people are going to come to you and they're not going to have the wisdom to do something. And the Holy Spirit's going to tell you the right thing to say, what it is that you need to do. And the favor, because the favor's on you, is going to come out of you in the thing that you're saying. And they're going to be going, wow. That's amazing that you're able to help us understand something that we couldn't understand before. So Joseph advised Pharaoh with this, and then here's where our verse, our text picks up that we looked at last week from Genesis 41. It says, the plan seemed good to Pharaoh and to all his officials. So Pharaoh asked them, can we find anyone like this man, one in whom is the Spirit of God? I'm telling you, your boss, your co-workers, they're going to start seeing this, this in us when we start walking in this fullness of what God's wanting to do. Verse 39 says, Then Pharaoh said to Joseph, Since God has made all this known to you, there is no one so discerning and wise as you. You shall be in charge of my palace, and all my people are to submit to your orders. Only with respect to the throne will I be greater than you. So it's in the palace in front of Pharaoh that we find the third part for our strategy for struggling. It might kind of surprise you. It's this. It's service. Third thing that we need to do is service. Now, many of you, again, know the story of Joseph, favored son, got the coat of many colors. God gave him two dreams, and in those dreams, he dreamed that he would be the leader of his family. The dreams were that the sun and the moon and the stars would all bow down to him. Another dream was that they were out in the field and the bundles of wheat bowed down to him. Now we find ourselves approximately 15 years later since he had the dream. 15 years is a long time. It's as long as our church has existed. 15 years later since he's had the dream, and now he is serving Pharaoh's dream while his dream is unfulfilled. Because again, we kind of think that, wow, he's, he's the prime minister. That was his dream. No, his dream was to be the leader of his family. And I think this is a great question for us as followers of Jesus Christ is this. Can you serve someone else's vision and dream while you still have a vision and dream in your own heart? Can you go all in on something that might not benefit you in the long run because it's simply where God has placed you right now? See, Joseph didn't give it a half-hearted effort. In fact, he literally saved the entire world because he put his whole heart into it. And I think for us in this issue of service is this question, can you pray for someone who's depressed when you're dealing with depression yourself? Can, can you go over to someone's house who just has been dealt a, an incredible disappointment when you're currently walking through a disappointment yourself? Can you rejoice with someone who receives their miracle? 
when you're still waiting on your miracle? Can you serve someone else when you're feeling like you're the one that needs to be served? See, Jesus gave us the great example when he said, I did not come to be served, but to serve and give my life as a ransom for many. And while God doesn't ask you and I to die on the cross like he did, he does ask us to pick up our own cross and be willing to serve other people that God's placed in our life. You see, because what Joseph didn't know, because he didn't know the end of the story like we do, what he didn't know was that serving Pharaoh's dream would bring his dream to fulfillment. See, because Joseph prepared for the famine, it was the famine that brought his brothers to the palace, and it was in the palace that his brothers bowed before him, and his dream was finally fulfilled. I want you to catch this and listen to this whole progression because his brothers would have never bowed down to Joseph if Joseph hadn't been brought before Pharaoh. And he wouldn't have been brought before Pharaoh if he hadn't been put in the prison. And he would have never been in the prison if he hadn't been in Potiphar's house. And he would have never been in Potiphar's house if his brothers hadn't thrown him in the pit. And here's what I'm trying to show you is that the storm isn't keeping you from your destiny. Your storm is actually leading you to your destiny struggle that you're dealing with in the midst of the storm is the thing that is preparing you for your destiny. That's why Romans 8, we we know the word of God is true, but sometimes we just can't figure out how it works. Well, Romans 8, 28 says, and we know that God causes all things, all things to work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. Listen, it's in the storm that we can begin wondering, God, have you forgotten about me? God, am I in your will? God, am I, am I doing the right things? God, the dreams that you put in my heart, are they ever going to come to pass? See, it's in the storm that God is putting some things in you that you're going to need. Listen, it's through the storm that we really develop character. And there's some character that God wants to put in us. There's a, there's a, a sense of tenacity that only comes when you have to walk through the storm and you just have to stay and you just have to choose to stay, and you just have to choose to remain that God wants to put in you. There's also some things that God wants to get out of you. Some self-centeredness, some fear, some doubt, some unbelief that he's trying to get out of you. See, and the storm that you're struggling, and the struggle that you're dealing with isn't blocking your way, it's actually paving the way to the destiny that God has for you. So we've got to look at our strategy and we've got to understand how important it is for us as followers of Jesus Christ to understand there are going to be some storms. There's going to be some struggles. And the first thing that we have to do is we have to submit ourselves to God. And now as I was thinking about it this week, I was thinking about the issue of how important it is for us to lock our eyes and understand God. Because you are becoming like the thing that you're beholding. If you're focused on the problem and you're focused on your own insecurities, you're going to just continue to perpetuate insecurities, fears, and whatever it is you're dealing with. But if you get your eyes on God and begin to understand how good He is, then what you can begin to do is out in your peripheral vision, see, I can see my hand, but I'm looking straight ahead. I can recognize when I don't want to stay, I need to make an adjustment to stay. That when I want to run, when I want to quit, because I can see it out here. I'm not looking at it, but I know what's kind of going on, but my eyes are locked on God. 
And I recognize that Jesus went through a horrible death for me that I might have life, abundant life, eternal life. And I'm locked on him. So even though I want to quit, Jesus as my example is causing me not to want to quit. And then my other side over here, because I can see both my hands while I'm looking at y'all. My left side, I can see others and their need. And their need doesn't, doesn't drive me to get angry and frustrated with them. It drives me to want to serve them. To give my life for them. Because I recognize that sometimes when people are hurting, they just do hurtful things. And the more that I can keep my eyes on God and not look at them, because the moment I start looking at them or I start looking at me, I get off track real quickly. But if I'll just stay submitted to God, say, God, I know that you love me. I know that you're good. I know that you're faithful. God, and I know that what I'm going through, I'm going through. I'm going to come out the other side victorious. This last year has been probably the hardest year for me. It's been the hardest year for me. Had a brother-in-law die. My brother went to prison. Biggest challenging year of my life. I'm telling you, God has taught me how to submit to him. Say, God, my confidence is in you. My trust is in you. To recognize that I just need to stay when I wanted to quit. When I didn't want to do this anymore. And I say this today to say, sorry, I hate it when I cry. I say this to say to y'all, I know that some of you are dealing with stuff too. And I want you to know that while it may feel so overwhelming and so devastating to you right now, you're going to get out to the other side and you're going to be like the Apostle Paul. This momentary light affliction is producing in me a greater glory because my trust and confidence in God is more than it's ever been. And I want to tell you, for me personally, it's where I'm at. My trust and confidence is in God and it's greater than it ever has been before. Simply because my eyes are on Him, I'm continually being submitted to Him. I want to pray for you today. 